Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, May 18th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we'll start by recapping another Orioles loss. They have dropped their fifth in a row with a 5-4 loss to the Yankees, fought back in the ninth, but couldn't get the W. I'll get you the five things you need to know from that loss to New York. Then we'll talk about some Orioles call-ups that they made on Tuesday, bringing two relief pitchers up to the majors for the first time. And one of them made their major league debut and was pretty impressive in Tuesday night's game. And then finally, a brief look at the Orioles minor leagues because Tuesday night may have been the best night of Orioles minor league baseball in recent memory. And I'll tell you why, and I'll talk about even more coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we will start today's episode with a look at the Orioles and the Yankees as the O's fall 5-4, to the Yankees, O's have dropped their fifth game in a row and are now 14-23 and 23 on the season and unfortunately are back into last place in the AL East. And I'll get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' loss to the Yankees. And the first thing you need to know is that Spencer Watkins is kind of back to the Spencer Watkins that we knew last year. Final line in this start, four innings, two runs on four hits. He walked three, struck out just one allowed a home run to Aaron Judge, almost allowed two homers to Aaron Judge, threw 73 pitches, allowed five hard-hit balls, and has a 5.10 ERA on the season. Now, to be fair to Watkins, after the first inning, he wasn't bad for the next three innings, but that first inning was pretty much a disaster. I mean, he walks the first batter, and then Aaron Judge hits the ball off the top of the big wall and left was a home run in every other ballpark, would have been a two-run homer. Instead, it's an RBI double, and Austin Hayes throws him out at third to kind of give Watkins a free out. Then he walks a couple more batters, ends up getting out of the jam, just giving up the one, but it wasn't good. Then he gives up another, this time an actual home run to judge a solo shot in the third. And yes, he only gave up the two runs, but through four innings, he only four whiffs on 27 pitches, one each on his fastball, slider, changeup, and curveball. And, you know, everybody likes that new Watkins slider. It was the second most used pitch. He threw 32 fastballs and then 19 sliders on the night. But just one whiff. It was in the strike zone, but his velo was down. Remember, Spencer Watkins started the season with the velocity up, and we were really intrigued. His average velo was down to 91.4 on the night, down from his year average of 92.3. So that velo is starting to creep down. The slider still looks solid and looks like his best pitch, and he has gone away from that cutter. He only threw it twice on Tuesday night, but in general, the stuff just just isn't there. He's he's very much a 4A pitcher. I think at this point in his career, he's better than a AAA guy, but not exactly a major league starter. He's somewhere in between. I think Watkins maybe still has a role on this Orioles team, potentially in the bullpen, but I would like to see him be replaced in the rotation. I would obviously like to see that happen in the midst of a, a guy like a Grayson Rodriguez or a DL Hall. But maybe a guy we'll talk about a little later in this episode uh, who was on a rehab start in AA on Tuesday night could be taking Watkins' spot sometime, maybe shortly in the future. But 
That's the first thing you need to know from this one. Second thing you need to know from this game is that uh, the Oriole bullpen, at least the first couple of guys out of it, were, were not good either, really. And, you know, the end of the pen was better, and we'll get to that in a second. But Joey Crable and Dylan Tate kind of gave up this lead for the Orioles. Crable came in in the fifth inning. Orioles were actually leading 3-2 to two when he entered in the top of the fifth in relief of Watkins and allows a leadoff home run to Aaron Judge. Uh, to tie the game, give up another hit in the inning. Did turn a nice double play, but gave up three hard hit balls. The stuff did not look great. Didn't strike anybody out. And then Dylan Tate allowed two runs, just one earned over an inning and two thirds. He also had no strikeouts while walking a batter. Again, the stuff did not look great. Three hard hit balls. And again, he was hurt. Ramon Arias made an error that you know should have been the final out of the inning. Instead, allowed the, the fifth run to score in the seventh to make it a 5-3 game. And yeah, that did hurt because the Orioles did lose by just the one run. But uh, these two guys have been better all year. They've been two of the Orioles' better relievers, and it just... Just wasn't the case here in this game on Tuesday night. Third thing you need to know from this one is that this Oriole offense is still struggling mightily. And yes, four runs on nine hits looks sadly a lot better than the last four games of this losing streak. But still, the O's only had six hard hit balls in this game. Jameson Tyone was not at his best, but they were just decimated by Michael King, who came out of the bullpen. He's been dominant for the Yankees this year. Threw three perfect innings with six strikeouts against them. Just made the O's look silly. And again, six hard-hit balls. You know, even though Trey Mancini had a two-hit day with a double, and Tyler Nevin had a two-hit day, and the Euros had nine hits, only six hard-hit balls, and, you know, they, they blooped some things in. They only drew one walk. Cedric Mullins drew a walk in the game. That was their only walk. And you compare that to the nine strikeouts. Just, again, not a really good day offensively for the Orioles. And, again, four runs on nine hits was better, but just just not very good from this Orioles team. Fourth thing you need to know is that I would say the one positive offensive thing was really, you know, that ninth inning for the Orioles. I mean, they rally against Aroldis Chapman, and, you know, they almost come back in this game. And maybe you could say the biggest positive offensively was that Ramon Arias did hit a home run, a solo shot in the second, tied the game at one, just his second homer of the year. Hopefully that kind of gets him going in this one a little bit. He did have two RBIs in the game, you know, one for four with the homer. But the ninth inning was where the Orioles looked like they had a pulse specifically because, you know, Chris Owings struck out as a pinch hitter and then Ramon Arias grounded out. And it was two outs, nobody on, down 5-3 against Chapman. You're thinking this thing's over. Well, Tyler Nevin, you know, knocks himself a single. Robinson Chirinos hits a ball pretty hard. He gets himself a single. And then Ryan McKenna just kind of loops one into left field for an RBI double to make it 5-4. You get Cedric Mullins to the plate. Even though it's lefty-lefty, you feel good about that. Of course, Mullins pops out in foul territory with the tying run at third, the winning run at second, and the O's lose 5-4. But hey... You know, they looked really bad against Chapman on Monday night. Nice to see the O's rally against Chapman, get a run against him on Tuesday night, come oh so close to tying or even winning the game in the bottom of the ninth. So maybe that can push them forward to stop this losing streak potentially on Wednesday. But the fifth and final thing you need to know from this Orioles 5-4 loss is that Logan Gillespie made his Major League debut and it wasn't perfect. It wasn't even great, but I will certainly take it from Gillespie on Tuesday night. He pitches the final two innings out of the Oriole bullpen, 
Scoreless in the eighth and the ninth with the O's losing. Did allow three hits, but no runs. He struck out one. He didn't walk anybody. He did allow five hard hit balls, which tells you he's pretty lucky to not give up a run in those two innings, but his ERA sits at zero in his major league debut. In terms of the stuff we saw, that one strikeout was a 96-mile-per-hour fastball that caught a lot of the plate, um, but ended up being a strikeout for a called strike three, so you'll take it. The stuff we saw, though, was, you know, solid. I'll take it. I mean, he threw 29 pitches, 16 four-seam fastballs, seven sliders, and six change-ups. The four-seamer averaged about 96. He topped out at 97 with that pitch. He was in the strike zone most of the night, didn't get a whiff, but it looked solid. The slider, again, he threw seven times, about 81 miles an hour, did get one whiff on that pitch as well. And the change-up threw it six times. It sat around 86, 87, got a whiff on that pitch as well, although the, the command was not as good. At the end of the day, listen, the uh, the Yankees hit him hard and did not score a run in two innings. And, you know, however you can get two scoreless innings out of the bullpen, I will certainly take it. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton had a 109.5 mile per hour ground out against him. Aaron Judge hit a 109.8 mile per hour single against him. So, yeah, he, he got a little bit lucky. Uh, you know, Joey Gallo had a 98-mile-per-hour line-out against him to end the ninth inning with, you know, runners in scoring position. But we'll take it from Gillespie. But it was a little bit of a surprise, maybe a, a minor surprise, that we got to see Logan Gillespie on Tuesday night. You know, he'd spent most of the year at AA Bowie, only had a few appearances at AAA Norfolk before the Orioles decide to kind of call him up out of the blue to make his major league debut. And coming up next, we'll talk about the two roster moves the Orioles made on Tuesday. Not just calling up Logan Gillespie and him making his debut, but also calling up Nick Vespi, who didn't pitch, but will soon make his major league debut for the Orioles. But first, let's talk about LinkedIn. Because with spring in the air, it's a time of renewal and growth, personally and professionally. And as your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people, which includes myself and I'm sure includes many of you. They've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMLB. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnMLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So the Orioles, despite a 5-4 loss on Tuesday night, they've now lost five games in a row and have dropped the first two of four to the New York Yankees. There was some positive news in terms of prospects getting called up on Tuesday. Now, it was not Adley Rutschman, as we are still waiting on when he could potentially, hopefully it'll be this week, could potentially keep an eye on Friday, but when Adley would potentially be in the bigs. But some other guys have, have gotten the call up, as we've talked about. Obviously, Kyle Bradish is in the rotation. Ryland Bannon got the call up last week to, you know, get himself a shot on this team and and you know you get Felix Bautista getting a chance to to see him this year there's been some guys who have 
gotten their chances so far this season. And you can add two more guys to that list on Tuesday with the Orioles calling up relief pitchers, Logan Gillespie, the righty, and Nick Vespi, the lefty. So let's start with Gillespie because he's the guy we saw pitch in the game Tuesday night. As I mentioned, two scoreless innings out of the bullpen, pitched the eighth and the ninth in his major league debut. Three hits, no walks, and one strikeout running that fastball up there. And Gillespie, really interesting guy for the Orioles, a 25-year-old, six-foot-two right-handed pitcher who was just kind of signed as an undrafted free agent back in 2018 by the Brewers. And, you know, he pitched okay in the Brewers system, and then he was released before the 2021 season. And last summer, the Orioles just kind of picked him out of independent ball, and on June 9th of last year, they signed him to a minor league contract. And you kind of thought, not much of it. Uh, you know, teams always are you're picking a couple of guys out of indie ball every summer. And this is just another guy to kind of help fill out the minor leagues. But that's not exactly what happened. He went to Aberdeen last year in 11 games. He had a 3.77 ERA. But the strikeout to walk stuff was impressive. 14 to third inning, 16 Ks, just three walks. Then he goes to double-A Bowie. And yes, the ERA wasn't good. 15 appearances, 27 and a third innings. He had a 5.60 ERA. But in that stretch, 36 strikeouts to just eight walks. The stuff was really, really good for Gillespie. And it got you thinking, is he maybe more of a prospect than you think? And then the Orioles added him to the 40-man roster this offseason. He was eligible to be selected in the Rule 5 draft. Of course, a Rule 5 draft that did not end up happening. But even though he was a minor league signing out of independent ball in June, come you know, five months later in November, the Orioles saw enough good stuff that they wanted to protect him on the 40-man roster, a guy who was, you know, only in double-A at that point. And it really opened a lot of eyes because I remember, you know, if you listen to this podcast back in the winter, we did a lot of, of lead-ups to, you know, who the prospects would be that would get added. And there were some easy names, obviously, like D.L. Hall and, and Taryn Vavra, and then some guys who we thought, hey, they could be added. Nick Vespi, who we'll talk about, Felix Bautista, who ended up getting added. You know, some guys we, we kind of went back and forth on. Never once did the name Logan Gillespie even come up in those conversations. And then we got the news from the Orioles that they had added this 25-year-old righty in Logan Gillespie. We said, why? Well, then he went to the Arizona Fall League and showed off some pretty good stuff for the Orioles. And they protected him. And all of a sudden, he comes out this year. And, and he starts the year in double-A. So you're thinking, you know, I, I thought he was close to the bigs. Why is he in double-A? Eight double-A innings, 11 strikeouts, four walks, three runs allowed. He gets promoted to AAA in three appearances with the Norfolk Tides. Six and a third innings, six Ks, one walk, five hits, and two runs allowed. And you know, the stuff continues to look good. The Orioles need a right-handed reliever. And they say, all right, it's Logan Gillespie time. And he gives them two scoreless innings. And, you know, he's, he's an interesting part of this team because... Yes, he was added to the 40-man, taking up a 40-man spot in the offseason. They didn't want to lose him in the Rule 5 draft. They obviously thought they would lose him in the Rule 5 draft. There'd be you know, no other reason to put a minor league signing on the 40-man roster. So the Orioles obviously very much value Logan Gillespie and his stuff. But I wouldn't be surprised if you know after a week or less in the bigs, he's sent right back down to AAA because he does have options, but was just up here to have an arm for a couple days. I could even see him being optioned here on Wednesday after throwing two innings on Tuesday night. But it'll be really interesting to see how the Orioles play it because they certainly value him. But he's not one of the top, top prospects who, once he gets to the bigs, you know, really needs to stick there. So, you know, I wouldn't 
def- definitively say that, hey, he's in the bullpen for the rest of the year. I think there's a good chance he spends some more time back in Norfolk at some point. But it was definitely nice to, to see him up and see the Euros continue to promote prospects. But to make that move, they obviously had to take someone off the active roster. And this one was, you know, a, a little more puzzling as they sent Ryland Bannon back down to AAA. And, you know, not that Bannon has been lighting the world on fire, but, you know, since the Orioles called him up on Thursday, I thought at least he would get his fair shot. The O's were struggling with injuries to Mountcastle and Hayes and Mateo, and Chris Owings literally can't hit a baseball. So thought Bannon would get his chance. He he went two for 14. He had a couple of singles, struck out five times, no walks, made a couple of nice defensive plays at third base in the four games he appeared in. And then back down to AAA. So we'll see. You know, I'm not really sure what they're doing with Bannon. Obviously, I think at the end of the day, Bannon was more of a replacement for the injured guys. Austin Hayes returned to the lineup on Tuesday. It looks like, according to Brandon Hyde, Jorge Mateo will return to the lineup today on Wednesday. And Ryan Mountcastle said he should be good to return on Sunday for the Orioles. So once they're all healthy, Bannon was probably going to be squeezed out anyway. But it still makes you think, you know, why Ryland Bannon and not Chris Owings, who again pitch hit and again struck out the ninth inning. Dude literally cannot hit the ball. I get that he plays a lot of positions, but he's not doing anything for the Orioles right now. And I get the argument you'd rather have Ryland Bannon playing every day at AAA rather than be the utility guy playing twice a week in the majors. But I've said this again and again at some point, you got to give these guys the reps in the major leagues, even if it's not every day. Maybe Bannon would have been gone anyway, and maybe when Mountcastle gets activated, that's when Owings gets DFA'd. Maybe that's coming on Sunday. Hopefully that's coming on Sunday. So, you know, if that happens, I'll kind of step this back a little bit and say, okay, Bannon wasn't here for the long run anyway. He was more of an injury replacement, and he'll get more at-bats in AAA. But it's just interesting to see Bannon kind of be that move that they made. But then to the other move, which actually came before the Gillespie move, was the one that I think Orioles fans, including myself, really saw coming. And if you listen to yesterday, that is Tuesday's episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, you heard me talk at the end of the episode. You know, we talked about how the O's had claimed Bo Salser and DFA'd Paul Fry, how the O's might want another lefty in the bullpen. I talked about how Logan Allen wasn't really cutting it and how well Nick Vespi was pitching and why it was time to bring up Nick Vespi. Well, what did the Orioles do? They called up Nick Vespi. Hey, maybe Mike Elias listened to this podcast. Hey, Mike, if you're listening, let's see Adley Rutschman in the bigs this week. But Vespi, if you don't know him, well, he did appear on this podcast earlier this winter, so make sure to go back and check out that episode with Nick Vespi. But a 26-year-old left-hander who the Orioles took in the 18th round of the 2015 draft out of Palm Beach State Community College, of course, a junior college. And uh, Vespi has been pretty good throughout his minor league career and was Rule 5 eligible this offseason. But the Orioles I thought, you know, I've said it on this pod multiple times, that was the biggest surprise in terms of players they did not add to the 40-man roster, decided not to add him to the 40-man, not to protect him in the Rule 5 draft. And it was pretty much a consensus that Vespi was 100% going to be selected by another team in the Rule 5 draft, was probably going to be out of the O system if the Rule 5 draft had happened. It did not happen, and the O's got to hold on to Vespi and put him in AAA. And this came after, you know, a, a pretty kind of up and down 21, 21 season for Nick Vespi, where he pitched 19 innings in AA, had a 1-4-2 ERA. And he pitched 19 and two-thirds innings in AAA and had a 6-8-6 ERA. And we talked about that, you know, with him. The strikeout to walk numbers were very good at both levels, but he just got hit around by better hitters. Well, he made the adjustments, certainly. Because at AAA this year, he literally had a zero ERA. 
In 12 appearances for the Norfolk Tides, over 14 and a third innings, he went four for four in saves. He allowed just six hits and just three runs. All of them were unearned. Struck out 21 batters, walked just three, hit just one batter. Of course, did not give up a homer. Opponents hit just 128 against the 26-year-old lefty in AAA. It was well past time that he was due to come up to the big leagues, and he finally does come up. Now, we didn't see him pitch in Tuesday night's game, but expect to see him coming out of the Orioles' bullpen here on Wednesday night against the Yankees. You'll probably see him right around the, the bottom part of the order when when Gallo comes up and then, and then some of the lighter hitters at the bottom of the lineup. But uh, definitely, definitely exciting to you know see a guy in Nick Vespi who is a friend of the pod, has come on this podcast, and has had so much success. You know, it's a fastball that doesn't play too, too far up. It's in the low 90s, but it is a devastating wipeout sweeping slider from the lefty that just fools every left-handed hitter and, frankly, right-handed hitter that he faces. Really excited to see Nick Vespi pitch in the big leagues for the Orioles. And the move they made corresponding was probably one that we saw coming. The Orioles DFA'd Logan Allen. Of course, Allen is the 24-year-old lefty who the Orioles claimed off waivers from the Cleveland Guardians just a couple weeks ago. And, you know, he ended up pitching a few times out of the Oriole bullpen, made three appearances, but just wasn't anything special at all. An inning in two-thirds over three appearances allowed two runs on three hits, struck out one, and walked two. The stuff just didn't look good, and it was kind of what we had seen from him in Cleveland over the last couple of years where, yeah, he had one good pitch in that slider, but he had four other pitches and none of them were really any good at all. And that's why at just 24, Cleveland, who has such a great pitching development system, already had given up on Allen after they had acquired him via trade from the Padres a couple years ago. And after three relief appearances and not many key moments at all, Allen is is on a DFA and I would think another team probably claims him and takes a chance on him, but but we will see if he stays in the system. But uh, definitely a good move. They got a lot better lefty up in the bigs in Nick Vespi. But with the move, Vespi does you know vacate the minor leagues and vacate a Norfolk bullpen, which was certainly loving having him in there. You know, with his 14 and two thirds scoreless innings, working out of the back of the pen. But it didn't stop the Orioles from having a lot of success at the minor league level on Tuesday night. In fact, this might have been one of the best days, maybe the best day this season for Orioles minor league affiliates. And coming up next, we will tell you why and talk about which top prospects really shined on the farm on Tuesday. But before that, let's talk about Built Bar, which is the best, the best tasting protein bar out there on the market. They've got so many good flavors. All these bars, they, they literally taste like candy bars. You've heard me talk about them before. They're just so good. You know, my favorite is peanut butter brownie, but they've got savory flavors. They've got sweet flavors. They got fruity flavors. They got everything you could want. Every bar covered in 100% real chocolate. And oh, wait, they're good for you. 17 grams of protein, just over 200 calories. It's the protein bar. You get all those benefits, but you don't get that weird chalky protein bar taste. You get a delicious taste that, again, is just like a candy bar. I truly can't believe that Bill Park just continues to get it done with all of their new products. And if you want to get a look at those products, maybe get some for yourself. I highly recommend it. Head over to built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. So the Orioles... They did lose the game at the major league level, 5-4 to the Yankees Tuesday and have now lost five in a row. But in the minor leagues, 
there was some fun going on on Tuesday night. Just wanted to run through some of the action because I put this out on Twitter. Make sure to follow us at Locked on Orioles. Was this the best day of the season on the Orioles farm system? I think it may have been. Let's start in AAA where the Norfolk Tides beat the Charlotte Knights, the White Sox AAA affiliate 4-1. to Grayson Rodriguez got the start pitching to Adley Rutschman. And this was the best start probably for Grayson Rodriguez in his Orioles minor league career. Five and a third scoreless innings, allowed just three hits, three walks, and a career-high 11 strikeouts on 19 whiffs for Grayson Rodriguez. He was dicing up a Charlotte lineup that included some legitimate major league hitters. Adam Hazley led off, been in the majors recently. Danny Mendick hit second, been in the majors this season. Jake Berger hitting third, been in the majors this season. Uh, your mean Mercedes, everybody knows him. He was hitting fifth. He's been... In the majors pretty recently. Carlos Perez, the catcher, hitting fourth. You know, a guy who has been around the minors for a long time. You know, he saw Yomer Sanchez, former Oriole, in the six hole. He saw Sebi Zavala hitting eighth. There were, you know, six guys who have been in the big leagues in this lineup. Not that they're stars or anything, but they got carved up by Grayson Rodriguez. Then Norfolk went to the bullpen. They got two and two-thirds from Mike Bauman, who, you know, only allowed one run on one hit. And then Marcos Duplan threw a scoreless 1-2-3 inning with three strikeouts in the ninth to get the save, filling in for Nick Vespi in that closer role. How about that? And let me tell you, I don't expect Grayson Rodriguez to be up this week like I expect Adley Rutschman to be up this week. As you remember, I predicted a June 4th debut for Grayson Rodriguez, but Grayson would be due to pitch again on Sunday. That would be Spencer Watkins' next turn in the order after kind of a tough start on Tuesday night. Would not be mad at all if we saw Grayson Rodriguez instead. It's not going to happen, but uh, I think he's just about ready to pitch in the big leagues for the Orioles. Then you go down to double A, where things start with the fact that Dean Kramer started his rehab assignment for the Orioles. Of course, Dean, if you remember, warming up in that opening series in Tampa Bay, he made the Orioles out of the bullpen. And then warming up for his first appearance in that first weekend at the Trop, Felt something, had to sit down, stop warming up. Ended up being an oblique injury. He missed time. He is finally back to a rehab start. And, you know, for Dean Kramer, he is going to end up actually pitching on Wednesday. Excuse me. But, you know, it's just as exciting that, uh, you know, he's finally going to be back on the mound. So even though he literally didn't pitch on Tuesday night, still exciting that that he's going to be on the mound on Wednesday, but there was still exciting stuff happening in Bowie on Tuesday night. And maybe it wasn't the pitching because Ryan Watson, who's had such a great year, did get hit around a little bit. But I'm talking more about the hitting. Gunnar Henderson had a two homer day. He's now hitting 301 on the season with an OPS over 1,000. And oh, by the way, did I mention he's 20 years old and he's younger than every single pitcher that he has faced this season? Hit a two run homer to right center field in the first inning, then hit a solo home run the other way in the fifth inning. He's fun to watch. He is incredibly good. And he's going to be in AAA at some point this year. And maybe, just maybe, we see him in the big leagues as early as as early on in 2023. Now, those were, were kind of the two big things from the Orioles system on Tuesday night, I mean, when you have Gunner that playing that well and you have Grayrod playing that well, it's it's pretty good. But how about the Aberdeen Ironbirds? They got another win over the Rome Braves, four to two. 
Aberdeen is now 25 and 7. We talked about on our Aberdeen Ironbirds preview episode with Bob Phelan of BSL on the Verge how they could truly be the best Orioles minor league team this year. They have certainly showed it. And they ended up getting a home run from Jacob Teeter in this game. They had a two-hit night from Kobe Mayo in this game who continues to rake. And uh, how about another exciting thing? Shed Long has moved up to Aberdeen for a rehab assignment. Now, he did go 0 for 3 with three strikeouts and a walk, but remember Long, the former Mariners infielder who the Orioles signed to a minor league deal this offseason, an exciting player who could help the Orioles this year. He's moving up the ranks. He's up to high A on the rehab assignment. And if the Orioles don't want to give, you know, Ryland Bannon that infield spot or Jemai Jones that infield spot, fine. But maybe when Shed Long is ready, he could take that Chris Owings spot because, remember, Shed Long is pretty versatile too, plays multiple infield positions and plays the outfield and can actually contact the baseball, unlike Chris Owings. So uh, just something to watch there that, hey, maybe soon enough, give it another week or two, and uh, we could see Shed Long. I'm really at the uh, anybody but Chris Owings point um, in this situation, but uh, of course, of course, I will take Shed Long. Again, I will take anybody, but Shed Long would be nice. He's a fun player. And then finally, the Delmarva Shorebirds won. They've struggled this year. They're 11-23 and 23 now, but had a 5-3 win over the Fredericksburg Nationals. In this one, you had Dan Hammer strike out five over four innings. And, uh, you know, they got some, some big hits from the offense. Isaac Bellany hit a home run in this one. Isaac DeLeon hit a home run in this one. Two uh, pretty exciting players in Delmarva. Just a really good day. In the Orioles farm system, highlighted by 11 strikeouts from Grayrod and two home runs from Gunnar Henderson. But coming up on tomorrow's episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about the night in Bowie and specifically Gunnar Henderson. As we're going to be joined by John Mioli, of course, was a former Orioles beat writer for the Baltimore Sun, now writes his own Orioles newsletter that you should all be subscribing to. John was in the ballpark in Bowie on Tuesday night talking about, you know, what he saw from guys like Henderson, some of the pitchers, and just some updates on the Orioles system so far this year, and an update on what he is doing and still covering the Orioles. That's coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.